We turned one of them into a salsa. Ooh. And then we won a salsa contest. I, don't, I think I already told you. You did not tell me you won. Oh, yeah, we did win. We won a New Mexican salsa contest with a watermelon salsa. <laughs> Spicy. Um, that's, that's our cold open because we're also a food podcast. We are a food podcast now. Well, it was spicy because it had a habanero paste in it. Ooh. That so, uh, watermelon gave my, habanero. Yeah. Gave my hands blisters while washing dishes. Yes. Not fun. No. No. Everyone and welcome to another episode of the Psychosocial Distancing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Chadbourne, and with me, uh, one-time New Mexican salsa local contest winner, <laughs> Thomas Brooks. Well, hello, it's me, your Rio Rancho celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how's it going? I feel like we haven't spoken in a hot minute. Yeah, literally like one hot minute. One hot what? minute this summer is like 20 minutes. It is. So, yeah. At the beginning of this summer session, we had mentioned that we took a break because uh, the fires in northern New Mexico, yes. which I thought were gone. And then I looked out my window when I opened it earlier, and there's like massive plumes of smoke on the northern horizon. And I'm like, well, here we go again. Yeah. It is dry. It is hot. Mm-hmm. We have skipped spring. We have skipped we have, spring. We have gone from winter to summer. And we're getting emails from the university saying that they need us to come bag sand because yeah. we're going to have massive flooding in three days possibility yeah huzzah (laughs) this is this is the summer for our religious discussion we've got fire we've got smoke we've got floods things are getting biblical in northern new mexico they are quite Uh, biblical i will hold off on the oh lord i just looked out the window again it's gotten worse (laughs) well here cheers to the end of the world and and to segue into our topic of the night, it, it it makes you maybe, hopefully not, like want to join some religious group to to help comfort you in these times of biblical, you know, floods and fires and everything in between. Um, and hopefully, the one that you want to join isn't what we're going to talk about today. Well. We're going to talk about all of them today. That's true. We're talking about <laughs> the most modern of them. Yes. Cults. Kind of similar to our discussion from last week, or I assume last week, the shamanism. I figured this one will come out after shamanism. This, this one will point. come out after shamanism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just gets worse as 
time goes on, like progress is an illusion. Um. <laughs> and, and much like our discussion with shamanism, cult is a very academic term. It is. Um, and the academic term isn't as doom and gloom as the modern colloquial term yes. for a cult. Because the academic term is actually just a group of people with a shared belief system. Mm-hmm. Like that's the most simple watered down version of it, but but it's it's not a bad thing. Every group that has a shared belief system is a cult. One might even say they have a culture. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Surprise! This is now a linguistic podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were talking about spirit animals last podcast. I don't think we know what kind of podcast we are anymore. No, um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. We we come on. We bring some psychological. Yeah, Yoon will come up at some point. Yep. And it will Maybe bring us just... back. Maybe it's just a Yoon podcast at this the, point. We're a Yoon podcast now. Oh, yeah. man. The Freudian podcasts are going to be really upset at us. Oh, no. Is there any Freudian podcast? If there's a Freudian podcaster who listens to us, please reach out. Oh, we'll let's do it. Yeah. Yes. There has to be. Because there's there a podcast for everything. I'm going to do some digging. And like a thousand of them are true crime. <laughs> Like a thousand percent of them are two true crimes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, all right. So culture, cults, cults. What are we talking about? Why do we have these things? How long yeah. have we had them? I, slightly less long as we've had shaman. Less um, long. I would argue that we probably had some sort of individual um personal system individual members who kind of oversaw a a very broad swath of spiritual things mm-hmm. um, and then at some point we started narrowing that stuff down so at some point we said all right it's not just like nature right because nature's too vague mm-hmm. for us to like share a specific cultural system beliefs it's not just like their nature it's specific spirits in nature and then those spirits get kind of put down to, to all right, there's something specific about the afterlife. And so a cult mm-hmm. forms about what happens after death. Or we Does... revere a particular animal. Okay. Does the cult rely on the afterlife belief or just the belief that there's some invisible hand moving nature? Like, does that suffice? Well, if you take, let's say, like early Christianity, or what would become Christianity, uh, tribes out in the Middle East, um, there were a lot of people who had shared belief systems regarding an afterlife. Mm-hmm. So that that was a hallmark of their cult, the anthropological cult. Um, and so we could call them like mystery cults, so like what happens beyond. Um, we could call them death cults. So what happens Mm -hmm. after you die? Um, they're not cults that are promoting death, but they have a shared belief of what happens after death. Right. Um, and, and then they also have like specific cultural norms that are brought into it. And one of the reasons, like like, when you look at like why, let's say the tribes that would become Christianity succeed when others don't, is that one of their core beliefs or shared beliefs was, uh, uh, reciprocity norms 
So we should help other people. Other people will then help us. We need to help the least of our tribe so that our entire tribe succeeds. So part, partially reciprocity, partially some golden rule stuff. I mean, almost every religious system in the world has the golden rule. So that had to have started somewhere. Um, but this idea of like a shared belief system and part of that shared belief system was helping the least fortunate. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, when things get bad, that's the group that survives because they're all bonding together instead of being selfish. So they're right. more selfless. They're a selfless cult as opposed to a selfish cult. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And then like, there are other groups that we could argue don't really have a good sense of what happens after someone dies. But they do know that there are maybe, at least in their belief system, tangible forces in the world. Mm-hmm. So you could have a nature cult or you could have right. particular like animal cults, like like subcults within the, the broader cult system. Um, much in the same way that when we, we get to kind of like modern, like polytheistic religious systems, you have like the pantheon everyone believes in. But then like some people spend a little more time praying to Zeus, some to Hephaestus, mm-hmm. some to Ares, some to Athena, uh, and so on. Um, so I brought that up because one of the bits of reading that I've done, and this is something that came up uh, in one of my site courses is that there seems to be some evidence for neanderthal cults Ooh, and that so kind of kind of flies in the face i mean neanderthals get a really bad rap mm-hmm. like that they, they don't engage in ritual they didn't have the same kind of like higher capacity for these things and then we're now finding that like there are burial sites all right and that we've got some other stuff that's fascinating yeah, so they found uh, caves in what is, let's see, Western Eurasia um, that have like ancient bear, like cave bear skulls and skeletons that are like meticulously arranged. And so they, the current evidence seems to point to that the Neanderthals had cave bear cults that they would engage in supernatural stuff with. Obviously, we don't know what that stuff is, but um, that seems to be like the earliest formation of cult that I was able to find. And like, they may have believed in an afterlife. Maybe they ride the great bear into the horizon um, to the promised land. But um, I don't know, because there's also that idea of like the perceived agency of stuff so like without like the explanation of like wind like um what makes the trees move like spirits Uh, duh right and so it could just be as simple as that i think uh i was reading one of matt rosano's articles and he argues that homo sapiens were superior not and that they were the only ones that had ritualistic or culty behavior but that they were like willing to go into like costly rituals as opposed to Neanderthals. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we, we also have evidence now that like Neanderthals and, and, and Homo sapiens have like banded together at some points. There's obviously evidence for like inter, um, interbreeding between mm-hmm. the two. Um, that were basically close enough genetically to where it could happen. Um, and so it's really how like we, we start, you start get to a, get to a certain point with like Neanderthals and Homo sapiens where like everything gets a little blurry. Um, but it would make sense, like, animals would be some of the first cults. Like, we 
we want to revere the animals that we hunt um Mm -hmm. because that there is like a like be thankful for them um but also like predator animals yeah the ones that hunt us (laughs) right rites of passage uh uh, i mean honestly like if, if you're a tribe that can go out and kill cave bears you probably feel pretty good about yourself Right. And the tribe probably, you know, definitely can can cause this kind of bonding with the tribe. And so that becomes the focus of the belief system. Strength of the bear, um, uh, power in the hunt, um, you know, especially if we're talking about other like apex predators mm-hmm. of the time. It also um, brings to the concept of like consumption and like spiritual transference as well. So like mm-hmm. the idea that like the things that we consume uh we become and so if your tribe is out hunting cave bears and like you eat the cave bear i don't know why you would but you could i guess well you don't want to waste the cave bear you don't want to waste it which makes me think it's almost like a skyrim thing where you have like the villager who's like has the cow that's all like decorated and he's like walking it to the like giant's den for like sacrifice Mm -hmm. like also wondering if maybe the cave bear was worshipped in that regard like come to the village here's the cow (laughs) i mean at some point we we start to do that with wolves Mm -hmm. like when we start to domesticate animals we start to have this 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 transformation and there are plenty of, of of cultures today that still revere certain animals Mm -hmm. um that that look at certain animals be a predator or prey um in very kind of powerful and high regard if we're thinking, uh, there's mute in there. If we're thinking of this like collective knowledge that 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 we've passed on, we might not be a hundred percent in the loop on where it came from, but it's 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 a shared part of our culture that kind of still exists. This 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 fascination of like our spirit animal mm-hmm. from last week. From last week, yeah, yeah. How, how, uh, that while we were talking about that, I actually had an idea that maybe animal spirits were like proto archetypes in the collective unconscious and so like the bear turns into the ruler kind of thing yeah yeah because we wouldn't have necessarily we would have had maybe like a chief or like um a a prominent individual or group of individuals within a tribe usually the elders of the tribe but like we don't really start to see like really big hierarchical models very early on. So we would have developed, arguably, we would have developed like like animal archetypes before the ruler archetype. Mm-hmm. And things like the mother probably are are interwoven at the same time. Like the idea right. of the mother is 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 preexistent. Um but that is also kind of tied into maybe animals that take care of their young. And mm-hmm. so they become representative of motherly spirits. So like mm-hmm. uh or or some other uh, nurturing animal mm-hmm. uh, versus like you or know. if you're Sarah Palin, you got the mama grizzly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean even the archetypes. I mean, but even then, like like the the the, the mama bear takes care of her cubs, mm-hmm. um, and anyone who lives in an area where the, there are grizzlies, you know, not to mess with the babies. Ooh call back to scary emails from our university did you see that there was a cub there <laughs> walking through town <laughs> it happens sure 
I mean, the cubs are not the problem. It's the mama bear that's the problem. Right, right, right. So, yeah, and so these these early uh, cultural systems, these early cults, these early shared belief systems, and basically are the beginnings of what we we would consider modern religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I did do my research on the Christian uh, origins, the mystery cults oh. from what three episodes ago, four episodes yep. ago when we first started. And I was like, I think it's a mystery cult, but I'm not really sure. Um, so the scholar who wrote about this is uh, Richard Carrier, okay. uh, Dr. Carrier. And he does research in like the origins of Christianity and like monotheism and stuff like that. Cool. Or like monoliasticism, mm-hmm. like you had just described earlier, the idea that you have a pantheon, but like your cult specifically does one thing with Zeus. Right. So that's monoliatric. Um, but he looks at uh, savior god cults that emerged at the same time. And so he says the general features shared by all of these um, cults, let's see, the general features most often shared by these cults are, uh, one, they are personal salvation cults. Uh, They guarantee the individual a good place in the afterlife. They are a cult you join membership with. They enact a fictive kin group. So Mm -hmm. um, they are joined through baptism. They are maintained through communion. They involve secret teachings reserved only to members. They use a common vocabulary to identify all of these concepts and their role. They are synchronistic. They modify this common package of ideas with concepts distinctive to the adopting culture. Uh, Let's see. They are mono or henotheistic. They preach a supreme God by whom and with whom all other deities are created and subordinate. Uh, they are individualistic. They relate uh, primarily to salvation of the individual, not the community. And they are cosmopolitan. They are intentionally cross social borders of race, culture, nation, wealth, and gender. And so the Jesus cult yeah. is one, but there were also cults dedicated to Osiris in Egypt that shared mm-hmm. all of these features. Uh, Dionysus uh inana which is really interesting inana is a sumerian goddess of uh love and war mm-hmm. who is the precursor to like the aphrodite archetype oh okay. um and she is the first mention of uh zombies in literature huh because she has a story it's from the descent of ishtar um, where she goes down to the underworld to save, I believe, her lover, or maybe it's her brother, or it's ancient religion, so it could be both, actually. Um, but to save someone, so she has to go through, like, these gates of hell, and so she says, if you do not open the gate for me to come in, I shall smash the door and shatter the bolt, I'll smash the doorpost and overturn the doors, and I shall raise up the dead, and they shall eat the living, and the dead shall number the living. And that's our first mention of zombies is from the awesome. Ishtar cult, which huh. shared communion and baptism and individual salvation. And she died and rose again from the underworld. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely a lot of that too. When we think about like, like why, like why are these things the ones that kind of resonated and survived? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, uh, was, I can go. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was about to say more commonly known. There was also one for Hercules as well, um, as well as Ball and Romulus. And so they all shared all these same features as early Christians in terms of the way that they operated. Rip Jesus on the cross makes more sense when I'm now thinking of Hercules. Yep. <laughs> They're similar. Um, they go through labors and, and, and do deeds, and that's interesting. Yeah. So if you're interested in more, Richard Carey does a lot of like recorded lectures for like people. He gets it recorded and he posts it on YouTube. So cool stuff. Cool. But yeah, no, that's kind of what we were talking about before we got to the bear cult and animism was you were talking about like these offshoots of major religions mm-hmm. being considered cults like anthropologically. So it's not like just like this community has a belief system and we're calling it a cult, right, but it's like right. a subgroup or like a, uh, what is it? Like a variation. A variation or like... Uh, Man, the word is escaping me right now. I'm thinking like goth culture is uh, like in the present time. Like a subculture or like subculture. Yeah, subgroups of like the major culture. So like Christianity was a cult of Judaism, for example. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Um, Yeah, and then like the big difference between that is is and kind of the same with with Islam is viewing um, because a lot of them started with the same Old Testament. Um, I mean, in fact, you go back to like, like Islam viewed Christianity and Judaism as the other two religions of the book. Um, they have a lot of Old Testament similarities, but the differences are where like they diverge. Judaism's mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, Allah and, and uh, not Allah, um, Muhammad and Jesus are prophets, um, but they're not like, savior folk and then the christians are like no 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 jesus is the son of god <laughs> and then like no muhammad is like the prophet and and you know is, is is able to to communicate these specific rules um and and expand upon beyond like the basis that that the religions were founded um but uh, but yeah so um one of the things that uh, I talked about Hayden last week with his his book Shaman Sorcerers and Saints um and one of the things that that he kind of like lays out in that book is sort of like why like like why religion where <laughs> where did religion come from um and he's taking a very kind of like historical evolutionary approach and trying to say like like what what does religion offer mm-hmm. um and so like what does something like a cult to to Isis or to to, to Ishtar. Um, what does it offer those people involved? So especially if you talk about like salvation, um, an afterlife, a chance for rebirth, um, uh, a set of rules. So like the three big points that he he focuses on is, is survival. So especially like norms of helping others. So we look at things like basic rules to live by. Like we can we even can go and look at like some of the most controversial stuff in the Old Testament, and a lot of that stuff made sense if we're talking about surviving. Like, what, why, why not eat shellfish? Mm-hmm. Why don't you know? Why not handle the skin of a pig? Like, why? Um, it's either due to a lack of understanding or because there were norms in place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you eat shellfish, well, we don't have a way to preserve them. 
you can get sick and you die and we don't want you to die because then that's we lose members of our tribe um it also adds a sense of community and then there's also things like emotional um offering so things like uh building emotion through music ritual and and shared again that shared community uh that comes out of it and um and he breaks down a number of other things like um other things that most religious systems offer uh especially when we think about like our, our earliest ancestors trying to kind of figure things out in the world so obviously they explain things like death and dreams we don't just imagine having a dream <laughs> and not having any context mm-hmm. for what a dream is or to have to think of those big existential questions like death mm-hmm. um, that makes me think of our shamanism discussion because i'm thinking about um one of the articles i didn't get to bring up in that discussion related to psychedelics and shamanism and shamanism provides a frame for understanding the use and consumption of psychedelics because you definitely don't want to be wandering the wilderness in the middle of the day and be like that looks like a good plant let's eat that one and then like there's becoming one with nature against your will (laughs) i remember i remember watching it at the time because i was doing my thesis on shamanism but there was this um reality tv show with these two guys who go out and live with the uh the yanamamo in um in the amazon i think they're in the amazon but this tribe and one of the episodes they go and meet the shaman and the shaman's like if you have baggage do not take this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you you have to be like centered a mind and spirit and like mind body and spirit like like it needs to be one but basically tells them like you know you you will take everything that you bring with you mm-hmm. in, in into this 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 substance i'm going to give you and they're like oh, yeah yeah we'll be fine we'll be fine <laughs> and one of them was one of them was like level-headed but like one of them like broke up with his like longtime girlfriend like right before the they started shooting and so like he had this like hung up and saw like hallucinated her (sighs) in the rainforest and like goes off and runs and like goes to chase her and like the shaman is like trying to get the other guy down from his high and is like your friend ran off we got to go find him because like they're jaguar (laughs) (laughs) like he's gonna die right and but yeah but but the, the the shaman was the the person who who helped oversee the ritual, the use of psychedelics, it could be used to heal and and to help and to facilitate ritual. Um, and afterwards, like the guy who held his own uh, was well respected by people. Because the other guy lost a lot of respect from the tribe mm-hmm. um, because he basically violated the ritual. Like he was he was warned. Um, and that's that's one of the other things. Like like religion as early healing technique um and um and they have other things like uh sanctifying social conventions so we'll, we're going to talk about that in at least one episode this season of um how like social convention security maintaining order mm-hmm. uh, is done through religious system and so you're setting norms and rules um political power and status is tied to it we start to see this with like the bigger and bigger the systems get the more religion is tied to like kingship and rulership um 
it's not just about who has the most wealth and status, but it is a way to obtain the most wealth and status mm-hmm. um, or to be associated with that. Um, more positive notes, it helps to reduce anxiety and conflict. Uh, if everyone's part of the same religion, you're not fighting over that. Um, I'm wondering if, now that you bring up like wealth and power in like large scale organizations, I wonder if these like, specifically these like, roman era cults like the mystery cults and maybe cults in general are responses to like disillusionment or like social upheaval of the prevailing order so if you think like the romans are like capturing jerusalem for example and like the previous religious sect of judaism is not like cutting it for people and they're like we need to get saved like we need to get out of here and so they form a cult around that desire for like something more tangible and like relatable well, you it makes think me about... think of oh, good oh well, i was about to say it makes me think of like people who like take on the moniker like i'm spiritual but not religious right, right. It, it makes me think of um one of the big one of the i mean there were many like schisms in catholicism but some of those schisms are tied to things like that the franciscans mm-hmm. The Franciscans believed that you could have a personal relationship with God, that you can experience the ecstasy of the presence of the divine. But if you were a Catholic in like the 1400s, you went to church, you got to watch the priest do that, and you were just a bystander. Mm-hmm. You, did, you did not get to experience that part of mass that that most Catholics would experience now, where like the church and the the divine become one, um, mm-hmm. you know, during a particular part of the mass or like the ability to, to kind of share in communion and things like that. These very personal things, the personal connection between the individual and the divine um, was far more present in groups like the Franciscans who, who believed in that kind of, uh, you know, and, and that could be a part of it. Like, Hey, like I, I believe in God. I want to be part of this. And they're telling me I can't. Mm-hmm. What do you mean I can't? Like, how, how do you not have this personal relationship? And like for any modern Christian, they might be like, that's weird and dumb. And like, why wouldn't we always have this personal relationship? But it's very new. Mm-hmm. That idea, at least in Catholicism, that idea of that, that very kind of intense personal relationship with God. Uh, unless you, like, you are a part of those particular orders, like the Franciscans. And and that was definitely a a subgroup uh, a branch off who was like "Mm, we don't like the way that they're doing things Mm -hmm. we think that we should be able to have these different experiences um um, and that's actually one of the things like like even beyond that just like like social upheaval or or other things like adapting to harsh environments is one Mm -hmm. and so again if you have a set of rules or norms or if you're trying to adapt to harsh not just physical environments, but like social and cultural environments. Um, the religion, the set of beliefs can help get you through that, especially mm-hmm. if like, especially if this is it. Right. You know, yeah, things are pretty bad, like where I'm living, but you know, there's a future, there's an afterlife. Um, and then they also look at other things like uh, recognition of the paranormal and supernatural. So basically trying to explain things that they can't understand. 
Um, and then also like byproducts of other adaptive change. And I think we've, we've touched on this in like some of the early episodes, of, like where religious systems come from. Are they something different? Are they a natural pro- byproduct of like cognitive development? Like we, we are natural seekers of explanation in our world. Mm-hmm. It's and like so, a need for cognition kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, to, to, I mean, we can argue like need for cognition, uh, theory of mind to understand the concept of a divine entity that exists beyond your mental and cognitive awareness. You'd have to have mm-hmm. some theory of mind from that art, arguably. Right. To put yourself into the shoes of, let's say, the bear god. <laughs> the bear god. Right. Or Zeus. Or God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to, to, to walk, you know, in, you know, to follow their in their shoes to follow in their footsteps, whatever it may be. You, you have to try to, you have to have some theory of mind. You have to have some perspective taking, mm-hmm. or at least and be open, receptive to that. Maybe. As a callback to our first religion episode, I think we've just like moved from religion is adaption to religion is the consequence of adaption. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. And yeah yeah that 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 surviving means developing social systems and it's kind of like a path of least resistance Mm -hmm. to to you know develop these social systems around the things that we can't explain or to um find some sort of shared connection um between us even if it is just a shared belief in the afterlife doesn't have to be a deity doesn't have to be an animal spirit it could help um, but they all serve sort of the same purpose. Right. So now that we have ultimately made the term cult meaningless, because it could describe many a thing. Absolutely. religious contexts, why do cults have a bad name currently? And what do they specifically refer to? Because they're kind of similar, right? So like, I would argue if we run with like the social upheaval line, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, we see some like, or like what we would probably like nowadays refer to as a cult happening like during industrialization, right? So mm-hmm. you have people panicking, losing connection to their families, communities, moving into the city with strangers and yeah. living on wages, stuff like that, that they're not used to relying on food chains to like bring them food whereas they used to like you know pray to the gods to give them good crops and then they made it through winter um so you have like as a callback to a previous episode we have uh what was it william sadler and the rantia book which is an Mm -hmm. offshoot of um what was it the seventh day adventist and so you have this like following around like extraterrestrials happening in uh, the early, what was it, the 20th century um, that had been kind of like percolating through industrialization at that point. Um, but really, I think the cults kick off in the 60s when we start seeing like the big headliner cults when everybody becomes aware of them. And so you get like your Charles Mansons, yeah. you get... Um, What's his name? Jones. Jonestown. Jonestown. 
you get uh Rajnish Rajnish Param in the 70s. And so like you start to see these like big headline disastrous cults that emerge um that do like horrible things both to themselves and others which i think kind of gives us like because they still all of those figures like whether it's you know charles manson or jones i can't remember his first name jim jones jim jones jim (laughs) jones or if it's uh osho these are all like prophet figures that have like taken mainstream religion reconfigured it for the new era and then act as new teachers and so like i kind of see the parallel with these groups as well as like the early christians for example following jesus um yeah and you can argue that there there are other groups that we could probably lump in there that are using similar methods um of dealing with like people responding to social upheaval preying on particularly weaker individuals and then weak in a sense of like kind of psychologically bogged down by the system um and so they're Mm -hmm. preying on vulnerable populations because these are easy people to get in to give them that sense of purpose and meaning much in the same way that you could find purpose and meaning in anything um and so like yeah but like what's the difference so like they're offering a lot of the same stuff that any religious system would offer um they are giving people kind of a place and a sense of meaning and purpose they're giving them a belief belief structure and a set of norms and a, a chaotic world sense of rigidity and structure. But the big twist is like the norms that they're teaching. Right. Or at least like the end result, mm-hmm. because we could say that like, you know, Christianity, like if I'm a Christian, I could just leave the church. Now we can argue like there are specific sects or, or, or subgroups that, I'm basically banished. Right. And that's very cultish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's not like I can't be like, all right, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm not a Catholic anymore. Um, it's not like with the size of these groups, like modern religious groups, that I can't just call myself spiritual and just go about my life. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there are always going to be exceptions, like depending on where you live. It might be a little more difficult and things like that. There might be a feeling of disconnect that comes with it, but these are much more regimented groups. Mm. These are much more strict and controlling groups. Um, and with the ones that gain a lot of popularity, because I would argue there are probably a lot of them that don't have like death as the end goal. Right. There's some modern new agey ones. Uh, there was a, a famous one recently. Let's see if I could find um, her name, but but uh, there was a woman who ran it, and um, she had, she she recently died, and they like mummified her in a sleeping bag in Colorado. Yes, yes, I remember that. That happened a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, she she got kind of popular on like the internet because like some videos of her like screaming at her cult members like i think it was like demanding chicken parmesan or something like that i think you're right and um and like kind of realizing how she was like speaking and almost like abusing the members of her cult but like they were in love with her she was the mother um Mm -hmm. and they were in love with her and like viewed her as this this prominent individual and then yeah then she she passed recently um 
and yeah, they ended up like mummifying her, and like the police had to come in <laughs> deal with that. Um, but like that was one that like there was a lot of toxic behavior and a lot of like weird kind of pseudoscience belief system in that cult. But like the ultimate end goal of the cult wasn't to like off everyone. Love has won. That was the cult. Amy Carlson, 45, known as Mother God by her followers, was found dead, wrapped in a sleeping bag in a rural town in Moffat on Wednesday. She was also wrapped in Christmas lights mm-hmm. on a shrine. Yeah, if you want to, uh, the I'll, I'll see if I could find some links to that. Uh, Jeff Holiday has done some, like, exposés on that particular cult, in addition to, like, some other new agey cultish groups um but again like that happened a year ago yeah it was very recent um but yeah because that like but that that is that is a group that we could define as a cult because of the way like that they like we look at like something like the bite model or other models of like let's say maladaptive cults and now, like, the ultimate end goal isn't, like, death, but they, they did espouse a lot of, like, pseudoscientific belief and, and and ultimately could, like, put a lot of their members in harm by saying, like, you can't do this, this, and this. Um, and it's really hard to parse that out. Like, like what is a cult is kind of meaningless because, mm-hmm. like, who's to say, like, in the same way that, like, and there are people who will make the argument. So, like, like Jehovah's Witnesses won't receive blood transfusions. Mm-hmm. That that could be your end if you, because of your religious beliefs, feel that you can't receive a blood transfusion or um, people who are, are kind of developing like, like subgroups or their, their, their pastors or preachers are, are saying like, Nope, no one should get vaccinated or no one should go see a psychologist or no one should, because there's only one entity that can heal you. Mm-hmm. And like that, they could be maladaptive, but is it a cult? There are other questions. Like there are other mm-hmm. boxes that need to be checked off or something like that. Um, and even like, like the right. man, like in the Manson thing, like what was their shared belief structure? It just, they like Manson. Oh no. Cause they believed in uh helter skelter, the coming race war. That's right. But and like the apocalypse yeah. that would ensue. Oh, okay. So they were like an apocalyptic cult. <clears throat> We can much say like the people who want to like start the tribulation, mm-hmm. like the subsects who uh, I would say are like minority groups, but man, there are a lot of them in positions of power. Well, like even the sub, like if we like switch our frame again, so like yeah. cult is in like subsect of religious group, not yeah. Charles Manson. Wow. Um, then they would be cults, right? Like, yeah. honestly, any denomination of Protestant Christianity could probably be a cult by that definition. Right, right. And I mean, maybe like, but I don't know if anyone has anyone come up with a better name for it, though. <laughs> right. Denomination. <laughs> but then, like, then you're going to have, let's say, like, the Protestants going, like, wait a second. Like, or like, I'm Southern Baptist. I do not want to be lumped in with, like, scientology or uh what is it that um that other group the 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 one like the company group the big cult in california that they busted a bunch of like famous actors and actresses were were busted with that what were they called they were branding people 
Uh, and engage what? in like trafficking. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is this was very recent too. Actively Googling. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh the top one is just ten of California's crazy uh craziest cults. Um what were they called? Fellowship of Friends. Fellowship of Friends. Yeah. Nexium. Nexium. N X I V M. Yes. Okay. Yes. So Nexium. Um, and like it's very it's it's heavy. I mean, it is it is a um very kind of stereotypical good view in that kind of modern um maladaptive uh a group they engage in trafficking forced labor racketeering uh they're based in new york and it was purported to be this will help us move to our next one a multi-level marketing company that offered personal and professional development seminars through its quote executive success programs um and of large group awareness training it was a recruiting platform from a, for a secret society called DOS, DOS, in which women were branded. Its founder, okay. Keith Rainier, and his associate uh, actress, Allison Mack, um, who was on Smallville, uh, they were arrested and indicted um, wow. for, for, for sex trafficking um, and a number of other charges. Um Others associated with the company were also charged with federal crime. That was as of April 2019. Five people associated with them, um, including the heiress to Seagram, oh. the liquor company. Interesting. They pleaded guilty to various charges. Um, and then September 30th, 2020, uh, um, the the Seagram heiress was the first defendant sentenced in the case. She was serving. She was going to serve six years, nine months in federal prison. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, he he continued uh, after his conviction. He continued to direct loyalists from behind bars. He encouraged continued recruitment. So like, they haven't stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it's like similar things. Like when we talk about like modern takes on cults, as a charismatic figure. That kind of comes out, and there's usually a lot of really sketchy stuff. Um, there's like a hierarchy. Um, there are a number of things um, that are tied into like different levels of control. So that's where like the bite model and stuff comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is, is like, well, you know, not every group is a cult, but like there are these groups that like the more and more they exert control and take away control from the people who exist within them, the more and more they become maladaptive dangerous um yeah he created consumers byline a an ml a multi-level marketing business program that's kind of the thing with cults i don't think a lot of people realizes is after like that flashpoint so like the celebrities get arrested or like the members commit mass suicide in south america the cult tends to go on um like there's still somebody working the uh, website for, uh, oh shoot. Oh, Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. The there Heaven's Gate website's still two, up and two getting members, updated. 
they're two members who are left behind to continue continue spreading the word right yeah. there's them the rajneesh Param, the followers of osho are still yeah. going yeah and arguably they might be bigger than they were during the flashpoint in the 80s um yeah there's a there's oddly enough an episode of uh, red letter media's best of the worst that has a video a, a more modern video post osho's death mm. um there's still some like old archival footage of osho but like yeah they're still doing stuff there's oh, still yeah. people from all over the world who go to that thing um mm-hmm. or the commune that they have now do they have a commune still or are they just like practicing at, like different people's houses there was one this might have been back in the 90s or early 2000s there was one in, i think in india or, oh, or okay. somewhere in like the other side of the world not in california anymore <laughs> or no it was in uh, oregon it was oregon. in oregon yeah 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 not in oregon anymore they're obviously they're obviously out of like northwest united states but they've they've moved the cult to a more friendly place for them and it's more like a retreat people go to be near Back to what it used to be yeah yeah before they tried to like poison a bunch of people with salmonella and that's a wild story take over the like state government of oregon yep yep (laughs) yeah no it's wild um a wild wild country in fact yeah (laughs) that's that's, Uh, that's the name of the documentary so go go watch the documentary if you want to know more about them they're they're my favorite i love them particularly because unlike other cults they recruited like highly educated middle class like disaffected like 70s they're still disaffected people though like that's that's the common theme Mm -hmm. um you want to get people who are disaffected who are like feeling lost or who um i think that's why like certain groups that that tend to pick up a bunch of celebrities do so well it's like doing well in hollywood's hard mm-hmm. and so it's easy disaffected there right right um but yeah um speaking of mlms the bite model or i guess uh hassan the creator of the bite model um outlines four different kinds of cults um, he says there are religious cults where uh, this is the type most people associate with cults. These cults focus on religious beliefs and often have a single holy leader and prophecy of the end times. There are political cults. These are fringe groups focused on political ideology, so like the Aryan nation. There are psychotherapy educational cults. So these groups tend to recruit through self-help or empowerment seminars. Mm. So like the Osho cult, yeah. is a little bit of like a psychotherapy slash religious cult. Uh-huh. Um, and then this is kind of where we get our like stigma towards new agey people is from these cults. Uh, the new, the, let's see, looking for peak experiences. Um, oh yeah, Nexium was a, such a cult focused on improving mental health and relationships of its members, moving them towards scare quote, integration. Yeah. And then lastly, we have commercial cults, 
which are cults focused on making money and tend to look like multi-level marketing schemes that demand their members recruit more people endlessly in order to finally make money. I would argue, I would adjust that definition a little bit. Uh, and it says, looks like multi-level marketing schemes. I would just say multi-level marketing schemes. <laughs> there, there have been people who have made that argument. Um, that, that have tried to kind of build the connection because I, you know, the investment, mm-hmm. the, some cases having to reshift one's reality. Mm-hmm. Um, they the, also force you to burn all of your social bridges by messaging every friend and family member that you've ever had in your life, asking them to buy stuff from you. To join. To join, at which They're point heavily, heavily proselytizing, the smart, yeah. The smart ones say, oh, I'm not going to respond to these messages anymore. Remember that yeah. meme that went around like five years ago that was like somebody out of the blue from high school just messaged me asking me how I was doing. And then like yeah. three messages in, let me tell you about this offer from Sensi. <laughs> I'm sorry, undisclosed candle wax company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Where do you buy your vitamins and minerals? You know the Walmart ones aren't any good. What is it? What is it now? It's a girl boss gatekeep gaslight. <laughs> no, that's ac- that's actually a um, it was a memoir uh, written, but uh, it's behind it's it's the message behind the meme: gaslight gatekeep girl boss. Yeah. Um. And I mean, but the, there's definitely that that that's sort of going on. Um. Well, I mean, that hits all the points, right? Girl bosses empowerment. Uh-huh. Gatekeep is keep the group safe. Can't leave the group. Gaslight all of the members into never leaving. Oh, it's it's the the know your meme puts it as the modern live laugh love. <laughs> so <laughs> ah, you know, there we go. Um. Which we are going through terrible social people right now. So it makes sense that we would have a new arrangement of uh, culty behavior emerge. Well, like, but, but the idea of the MLM has been going on, or the multi-level marketing has been going on for a while. But arguably, we, we could say is that we've been dealing with like a shrinking middle class. And like that's the, t- the type of people that they're predominantly, you're not really pulling in lower class individuals to these groups you're pulling in you're kind of middle class um or what is left of the middle class or upper lower class lower middle class uh individual the people who are about to be kicked out of the middle class right or the people like and some of the people at the top of this are those those people who are kind of like within that realm that they can afford so like you're kind of middle upper class individual you're you're kind of like lower upper class individual those are usually the people who are going to succeed um, but like this goes back to like, like we could say like Mary Kay and like mm-hmm. I mean this was stuff that was going on in the eighties and nineties, oh, yeah. um, and then you have other stuff like like the entire DeVos fortune is built on Amway, mm-hmm. which is a multi level marketing's you know want to say scheme program program. I'll, I'll save myself any legal trouble. Um, 
undisclosed but, diet and nutrition supplement yeah it's 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 this catalog. thing it's this thing where like <laughs> the, the vast majority of the people are like at the top and then like it, it kind of it, everything kind of trickles down to like a single provider it's this like sort of upside down triangle so it, it is it is legally distinct from a pyramid right but a lot of mlms walk that line and a lot of that there are a lot of them that have been busted for being pyramid schemes mm-hmm. <laughs> because being a pyramid scheme is illegal right but having a multi-level marketing where there are like so, small numbers of people at one end and large numbers of people at the other end that is not tend to make a you know <laughs> well, at least some a sort triangle of triangle shape, shape. Yeah, yeah exactly so I guess this is kind of goes back to like all Wiccans are witches, but not all witches are Wiccans. All pyramid schemes are MLMs, but not every MLM, MLM is a pyramid scheme. You have to make a legal a legal distinction for that, or get like, um, you know, what is it? The the aromatherapy people upset at us. But like they do, they do, they do engage in a lot of there's a lot of. Not a lot of them, but, but there are groups of them that, that act far more cult-like, mm-hmm. that, that engage in very strict, rigid behavior, that push the people under them to do stuff. There's a strict hierarchical structure. There's shared language. There are mantras. There's pseudoscience. Yeah, there's, there's all this stuff kind of thrown around. Uh, claims that are a little shady um that can ultimately possibly hurt people um and i mean you could look at like there are plenty of people who who do great you know illuminati uh does a bunch uh miles power um jeff holiday i can can think of a couple of like i think really good we're going to talk about pseudoscience and we're going to talk about some mlms probably probably illuminati and uh miles power probably the two that come to mind that i've watched the most of that talk right. a, a lot about these groups. There's a guy who was actually part of one. He was um when he was in college. Um I'll see if I could find him while we talk. But I would recommend him. It, it's really interesting because he talks about it from the inside. Like what it was like to sell um like in a, he was he was with one of the big essential oil companies. Mm-hmm. I forget which one. Um uh, but it's like the big one. But he was part of them when he was in like college. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got heavily invested and he he argues that it was a cult mm-hmm. like and he tries I mean, to make the argument for that um having been on the inside i mean if we look at like our historical arc of where like the bear cults come to where they're at right now like the mlm has been around with us since at least neoliberalism like this is like a reagan origin thing right yeah and so this idea of like the atomized individual like even we even have an overarching religious structure of like the hand of the free market will decide and so you know like you just gotta work hard and pull yourself up from your bootstraps and you know sell all of these unbranded scented wax circles for people to hang in their cars um and you too can you know stay in the middle class um so i mean in that con like i would argue that mlms do make sense as a cult in that respect if we consider like 
the unseen hand of the market being the uh, supreme deity of our time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so the guy I'm thinking of, genetically modified skeptic. Oh, okay. And so he's done a lot about um, young living essential oils. Ah, did you know that the essential oil people are having a heyday with COVID right now? Because for the people who have lost their sense of smell, one of the things that are coming out is that if you like have a lineup of essential oils, you can take one and go, this is lavender and smell it and like retrain your brain to recognize smells through like conditioning. I'd be fine with that. That's a claim that makes sense to me. Makes sense. Um, it's not like, hey, you know, if you take these three drops of lavender, it'll help, like, cure your arthritis. Keep you from getting COVID. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, that's a problem. Um, but, like, the people... This episode's who... going to get flagged now. Oh, <laughs> I've said oh. Arians and COVID already. <laughs> I'll just go beep them. There's going to be just, like, this, like, wall of text, like, just know when you're going to watch this. Because, like, everyone who does, like, the, the, like, hey, we're going to debunk pseudoscience stuff. Like, it's just, like, there's always, like, flags. And it's, like, they didn't, they were saying, why, it's, it's not good. Well, we're not monetized. And I think only Spotify <laughs> sure. will put a little icon that says, click here for the CDC guidelines. That's good. COVID. No, but you know what? That's good. I want them to click there. Because um, that uh, happened to us at the beginning of the year with yeah. our uh, episode with Andrew when you were talking about COVID replication stuff. Yeah. So. So they're listening. Oh, wow. It is surprising how many videos there are on this. <laughs> I was not expecting. Like, I found the guy that I was thinking of. And then I'm just like, ooh, there's a, there's a big list of, like, stuff on uh, Deterra and um, what is it? The uh, um, Young Living um, and then you get into like the uh, the Book of Urantia and the Celestial Tea stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a rabbit hole. It's um, a rabbit hole. And again, like some of these like, like it's, it's, it's really hard to like rank the danger of some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because it's not all apocalyptic. It's not all Heaven's Gate. It's not all Jonestown. Right. But in a modern sense, like the worst of the worst that we're seeing, like ne- Nexium probably being the worst of the worst. Uh, you know, in terms of like the most recent cults that have that have been like exposed. Um, but what we're probably what we're seeing is is a lot of similar reasons why people join them. Um. But the ultimate outcomes now tends to be monetary. You're going to lose your money. You're going to lose all your money. And it's going to cause you more distress in the long run. It's mm-hmm. going to become a sink. Um, I want to make a comment about like NFTs. and, But I think it's a good, good stopping point. Good <laughs> stopping point. Go and watch Folding Ideas' video on NFTs. Oh, no. It's good. It's really good, but it's um, there's a lot of shared language. There's a lot of disaffected people who are upset at a system that's like monetarily messing with them, and so like the idea of the person who's going all in on crypto, and me now I'm 
doom and gloom. I'm um, I'm gonna be uh, forget the the phrasing and the language they use for it, but like there are mantras and. Mm-hmm. I, but like it's we could go back to our beginning of this because the word cult is meaningless. It's a mm. group of people with a shared set of ideas and it may be hardwired into us to bond together over shared experience, shared wants, shared fears, shared ideas. Mm-hmm. Because because the NFT dudes might not be a Manson cult, but they might just be a bear cult. Or a monkey cult, perhaps. A monkey cult. Yeah, they're 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 against cult. they're against bear markets. They try to be very bullish. Oh, that's going to be I'm... the only economic joke I ever make, because uh, it's about the only economic joke that I understand. So, speaking of the economy, <laughs> I have our ism for the week. Ism of the week. Huzzah! Huzzah, indeed. So, our ism of the week is the Prince Philip movement. What is the Prince Philip movement? You well, it's ask? not an ism, but it is a religious it is system. An ism. It is a religious system. Prince Philipism? It is a, it is a part of car, uh, the cargo cult cycle. And so, cargo cults I do know this. <laughs> Believe these are typically indigenous peoples no. um, in South Pacific areas on islands who believe that if they worship higher technology civilizations, that those tech those civilizations will send them goods in the form of cargo. No. And there is one in particular of these cargo cults, which is the Prince Philip movement is followed by the Kastum people around the villages of Yahonenen on the southern island of Tana and Vanuatu, which is in the South Pacific. And so they believe in the divinity of Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, the late consort of Queen Elizabeth II. Um, They believe that he's the brother of John Frum, who is a mythic figure associated with cargo cults at large, who takes the form of a American World War II serviceman. Um, and that Prince Philip will bring them goods if they worship him, essentially. Because so it makes sense um, that the, the planes that land in those areas, those cargo ships or cargo planes, do actually bring stuff with them. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, a cult that has emerged around the royal family. Uh, They did mourn his death because the uh, divine being left the dark corporal world. Um, So on April 2021, the sect mourned Prince Philip's death. The village chief said that he was terribly, terribly sorry that he died and the tribal leader sent his condolences. Uh, the union flag was flown at half-mast on the grounds. Uh, a formal mourning period was declared, and many tribespeople gathered on the 12th of April at a ceremony to remember the Duke, where men took turns giving speeches and paying tributes. For the next few weeks, villagers met periodically to conduct rites uh, for him, whom they see as a recycled descendant of a very powerful spirit or god that lived on 
one of their mountains. They conducted ritualistic dances, held processions, displayed memorabilia. They drank kava, which is a uh, slightly psychedelic substance okay. that you can get at a health food store. FYI. <laughs> um, <laughs> ne- next episode. <laughs> we're drinking kava. <laughs> Let's see. Numerous pigs were killed for the ceremony. Let's see. They believe the queen awesome. is their mother. Yeah. So the uh, the cargo I, cult of Prince Philip is uh, dealing with the existential reality that their deity has passed. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, which is ironic, which is, well, not ironic, but it's very interesting because the royal family declares uh, the godly right to rule, right? So, like, God gave them power through a religious system in order to maintain their wealth and, uh, like, control over that island. But, like, the people there are not like particularly religious and don't necessarily believe that. They're just kind of there along for the ride at this point. Um, but there is an island out there that literally believes they are divine. Yeah, you know, I'd love to actually like, maybe if we we do a rehash of social psych. I want- We'll do it eventually. <laughs> at some point. I want to bring, I want to bring two- British people on because I've I've noticed social media in about the last couple of weeks. So the Platinum Jubilee is about to happen, which which represents seventy years on the throne. I think Elizabeth. it already did. Well, it's uh, June June second, yes. Um, yeah, but they're they're doing like celebrations. They were doing celebrations mm-hmm. and stuff, and I've noticed that like social media about Britain has been there, there's no in between. Nope. It's either been like, long live the queen. She's great. Or like, mm-hmm. she's a rat. <laughs> she's a rat. And they're mooching <laughs> off the system. And like, it's just so fascinating between like, I like, and I don't know if it's like a generational thing, but mm-hmm. there's definitely this like shared split of belief between like absolute animosity towards the crown. And love and adoration mm-hmm. and i would imagine it like it, it could even transcend like like generational lines because i've got people posting on twitter and stuff like that who don't look old and, right. and then i've got people who are like older like like maybe it's a class thing maybe it's also a regional mm-hmm. thing like if you're in you know london versus scotland <laughs> you got very different views of the queen um, oh yeah and, and so, like, something like that, like, I think it's really fascinating, um, but it makes me think of, like, these, like, schisms and breaks mm-hmm. with identity, but also even, like, more fascinating is just that you have these, um, I mean, like, cargo cults are a good example of, of a group that is, like, I mean, it's almost directly tied to changes in the environment. Like, we have modern technological mm-hmm. systems that are clashing with, like, tribal systems. And like, how do you deal with that mm-hmm. when you have like the when when the world around you has developed flight and you're hunting to survive, mm-hmm. or or you have a a what we would consider a more primitive 
Um, you know, and especially with like the British Empire that was like so, um, you know, had it's conquered so much of the world, controlled mm-hmm. so much of the world. Like, it's fascinating. Oh yeah. So, I don't think we yeah. ever answered our question on like like cults are meaningless. What's a cult? That is the name of this episode. Cults are meaningless. The word cult cults is meaningless. Congrats. Um, you're all in cults and you're also not in them at the same time. Right. You're you're in an anthropological you're in you're in several cults in the anthropological sense. And you are probably not, hopefully not, in maladaptive cults. Yes. And if you are, uh-huh. there are there are resources available for you online. We should put some links. I think to we've those. posted those. I think yeah. we posted those last time we talked about cults. We'll, we'll include those. We'll do it again. So. Huzzah! Huzzah. All righty. So I guess on that, as it's getting later and later. <laughs> we didn't record two episodes in a row. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>